This is the Brattlecast. Welcome. I'm Jordan Rich with my good friend Ken Gloss, proprietor of absolutely the greatest antiquarian bookstore in the world, the Brattle Bookshop, located in Boston. I say antiquarian, but there's a whole lot much more than that. It's, it's just everything you can imagine, including bestsellers for a buck or three bucks on the outside bin. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do. Ken, great to see you. We thought we'd talk a little bit about how uh, the World Wide Web, as it's known, or the interwebs, as one president called it, how that has changed and morphed everything about the industry that you're in. Well, it, it has. And again, this is another one that people have asked me to do things on and, uh, and emailed in. And, and one of the problems with it is we usually do about 20 minutes or 25 minutes for a podcast. I don't want to do two or three or four hours, you which, could, which I could easily. go on. But there, there are two ways that it's tremendously changed the antiquarian or used or rare book business and the book business in general. First of all, and, and this probably is a part that, that people realize to a degree, is that if you're just buying a book because you need the information in the book, most of those you don't need to buy anymore. Is yeah. is you know, I tell people, we haven't sold that many encyclopedias recently. We haven't – dictionaries you don't sell. I don't very. think I'd like to be an encyclopedia salesman these days. Uh, no. Door I, to door. <laughs> <laughs> no. If you have a first edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica in 1769, I assure you that's still a very valuable. But that's valuable because someone's collecting the object, not because they're collecting the information in the object. Mm-hmm. So – What's changed tremendously is anything that you wanted just for reference, that you needed at your fingertips, the picture of that old scholar, either man or woman, sitting at their desk and, you know, with walls of books around so they could reach up and go, well, Waterloo, that was in (laughs) such and such a date or this event or this person or mythology and Greek, who's this person's, you know, that it would all be at your fingertips. Now it's all at the keyboard and the desk. So a lot of those books that people were collecting just because they wanted them, because they needed the information, they're not collecting anymore. And it goes beyond that sort of dictionary uh, idea to even another extent in that let's say you want to – well, I had a friend come in. He wanted to play tennis. He retired. He said, I'm going to take up tennis again. Do you have some good books on how to play tennis? And we looked and we had a couple and he goes, YouTube's much better. (laughs) You can actually see the strokes. You can see it on there or any type of car repair, home repair. I mean the fact that you can pull up a video and you can look at it and it shows you how to do it and that – actually it is much better. Right. Uh, How to knit. If you picture people with these art books that they've spent – sometimes hundreds of dollars for, but these big, beautiful art books with pictures of Van Gogh and Da Vinci and a number of others, the artists, because you always wanted those pictures in your hand. Now the computer is there, and those pictures on your computer are probably better than the pictures in the book. And some of those books that were worth two, three, five hundred dollars $500 now – we you can go to our outside tables yeah. and they sit there at five bucks. It's so interesting um, being a, a avid reader, and I still prefer to read a book book as opposed to a Kindle book. 
But used to be you go to a library and there were cards in the Dewey Decimal System card rack. Of course, those are all gone. Everything's computerized. Everything's digitized. And I have a question for you. In your store, as beautiful as it is, as austere and classic as it is, I imagine the internet plays a part. I, you look stuff up all the time, right? Yeah. Well, do you, do you know, it's interesting. Before the internet, we had probably a thousand books on how to tell first editions, how to look up this, auction records, dealer catalogs, on and on and on. Mm. People can't see it, but I just pulled out my <laughs> iPhone. Yes. There's more information on this phone that I can carry in my pocket than there was in all those thousands of books that I needed to figure out what's a first edition, mm. what is it. So one of the things that I say, though, is it's different for bookstores. It's different. It's change. And change always happens, and you have to adjust to change. It's a tool. And and one of the things I like to point out is if someone is a great cabinet maker and they have all their tools and they can make the most beautiful cabinets in the world, give me those tools and I can almost guarantee you I'm going to smash a hammer into my thumb mm. and it's going to come out red. So it's how you learn to use those tools that's important. On the other hand, uh, I have a daughter who lives in Kenya. The fact that she can access and the people there can access all this information for cheap, free, fast is fabulous for the world population. It's not necessarily great for the used and rare book business, but it's it's you learn how to deal with it. As is the case with the hipsters and vinyl, people are still, as you and I have talked about on this podcast, people are still flocking to your store and other stores like yours young people to buy books, to be tactile, to hold something in their hands that they know was created by an individual man or woman and artisans, craftspeople put those books together, bound them and put the pages together and made made the pages out of wood. I mean, all that stuff. It's yeah. still special. Well, it is. And also, I when I fly on a plane or I'm at the beach, I like to have a book and read the book. Uh, and there are a few things that it still hasn't gotten. First of all, if the power goes out, you really have a hard time reading or you run out of battery. The other thing that I find hard with when I'm reading general fiction and so on is a lot of times at night I'm reading and after a little while I realize I've just read that paragraph three times. You know, and and I go, well, let's see where the, the chapter end is. And if it's like two pages away, I'll sit up and read to the end of the chapter. Mm. If it's 15 or 20 pages away, I might say, well, wait, no, nah, I'll just go to bed. Try doing that on an ebook, and getting back and forth. It, so there are advantages and disadvantages. But that's one big difference is if you just want the information, you don't need a lot of the books. And that's like I say, change and it's mm -hmm, good and bad. Mm -hmm. That professor or the scholar that I was talking about, before the internet, they would walk into a, a bookstore and they'd go, oh, look at that book. I don't need it now, but I know in a year or two I'm going to be writing a paper on that person. It's overpriced. It's, you know, it, it's marked $30. It should be 10 But when I need that two years from now, I want to have it. I'll pay the $30. It will be there. I feel secure that when I need it, it's there. 
Now you go click, click, a <laughs> hundred copies of that book come up on the internet. They start at about a dollar. And the person then looks at it and says, well, when I need it, I'll buy it, which in most cases means they never buy it because they actually never need it. And so that's changed the way the Well, it, that's changing the whole consumer spending, consumer yeah. habitual moves in and out of stores. I mean, the fact that we're back post-pandemic and people are actually going to places has to be a good thing. But you're right. It's so easy to just hit a button and order something, particularly a book, and it's there on your shelf the next day. Well, but then there is a big advantage to a store like mine. And why, first of all, when you were talking about vinyl, a lot of uh, – People in their teens, 20s, 30s look at books as retro, mm -hmm. and they're a lot of fun to hold and touch. And gee, can you imagine that Great Catsby? You actually, there were books, uh, and so on. <laughs> Whereas when they've gone to school, they they don't need them. But uh, they people like that. Also, if you are in a store and the book is relatively cheap, well, even if you order it and it's a couple of dollars. It might be $5 shipping, <laughs> and it takes a while. It does take a while. I was also thinking, this is just my weird brain. When you and I were school kids, it was a thrill to carry the books of the girl you really had the the inkling for. <laughs> now, what do you do? Offer to download her Kindle on your machine? Uh, you, or what? You, you text her. You text her. <laughs> you walk hand in hand with texting. But, but and one other thing that it's definitely, and I could go on and on, but another thing that it's made a change in is a lot of books that before the internet were, quote, rare books. And they actually weren't that rare. They were just the, they were hard to find. Mm -hmm. Now, the internet really has made you realize that they're not that rare and you can get them very easily. Prices come down um, and other than the truly rare. And one thing, though, that I will tell people because this comes up a lot is people will walk in and they'll have a book and they'll say, look, it's on the internet at $500. And I'll go, oh, look, it's also on the internet at $5. <laughs> you know, I mean – and, of course, people tend to take the higher price. There's enough to compare and contrast. The one thing without going on much longer that I tell people, if it's a tool, if you want to go on and find out, the first thing to look at when you found the book in similar condition is not the price. It's how many. If you go on and you find there's 20, 30, 40, 50 copies of it, first of all, that's telling you there are 20, 30, 40, 50 copies that at whatever prices they're at, they're not selling. So the first thing is how many? Then you look, uh, are they similar? And then the last thing you look at then is the price. The only way to sell a book on the internet and, and if you sort of whenever you're looking is either you have to have the only copy, the best copy, or the cheapest. There you go. And it's a tool. Speaking of books, I think of Dashiell Hammett and uh, Raymond Chandler and how good the detectives were when Sam Spade, uh, Humphrey Bogart, was doing his thing without the internet tracking down criminals and witnesses. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> they'd come and look at this and go, it's not as much fun. Not as much fun. Easier, but not as much fun. Yeah. Ken, as always, thank you for uh, sharing with us your insight and fun approach to life. Don't forget, go to brattlebookshop.com and read all about the place. Find it on your next trip to Boston. And write to us if you have a Brattlecast suggestion. My friend, we'll see you next time. Thank you.